0: Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different Oh hey, good evening. Come on, stand with me if you would. You'll be sitting for a few minutes. Turn to your neighbor and say, You look so much better than last week. Come on, give him some love right now. You're getting better with age. Better, so, uh, what a joy to be with you. And want to welcome everybody online, Blairsville, all of you that are in the house on this balmy, sunny, amazing, such a nice weekend. It's good to be alive and when it's this cold, you understand that you really are alive. You feel it, right? And so, uh, I'm going to jump in just a few moments. Um, I have Two of my boys with me, uh, my wife, Michelle, who was not able to be uh, uh, with me on this trip. We've been married for, it'll be 25 years this year, which is hard to believe. We have five kids. Thank you. You should clap for her. She's an amazing woman. Uh, we have five kids because we really, really like each other, and uh, we're so blessed, and we've been in our church at Freedom Life for 24 years, leading this, uh, this will be our 20th years being a senior pastor's, and as your uh, as your pastor mentioned, I love Mel and Kim, and this is an amazing church. It's so cool to see what God is doing uh, out here in Indiana, PA. It's really unprecedented. It's a, it's, it's such an incredible blessing, and it's a privilege and honor for me to be here with you, and to share uh, with you. Uh, and I'm going to jump in just a moment. I like to begin each time I speak with an attempt at humor. Is that okay? You're not sure. Okay, here we go. (laughs) My church is the same way. They're like, yeah, I don't think so, but here we go. A little girl was perplexed about how the world was created. So she asked her mom, and her mommy said, well, God made Adam and Eve, and they had children, and that's how all mankind was made. Two days later, the little girl asked her daddy the same question. The father answered, well, sweetheart, many years ago, there were monkeys from which the human race evolved. The little girl was confused. She returned to her mother and said, mommy, how is it possible you told me the human race was created by God and Daddy said that we came from monkeys? The mother said, well, sweetheart, it's actually very simple. I was telling you about my side of the family. He was telling you about his side of the family. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Anybody else have that family? You're like, okay, that was okay. That was okay. And so we're going to pray and uh, we're going to get into it. Are you ready? Come on, are you ready? Yeah. All right, Father, I pray over these next few moments as we open our hearts and we open your word. I pray that you would speak to us that you'd change us, that we'd never be the same again. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Tonight, uh, I want to talk to you about courage uh, over cowardice. And as we set this up, I love to teach from God's Word. God's Word is powerful, it's alive, and I just wanted to give encouragement for just a moment. Uh, Mel has been a good friend to me. Recently, my father went to be with the Lord. Previous times uh, that I was here, I shared stories about him, and and Mel took the time to come to uh, the funeral service and be there and be supportive, and I was so appreciative uh, of that. And uh, dear friend, you have an amazing pastor. And one of the things that, that shortly after my dad passed, my mom gave me a letter. And she said, your dad wanted you to have this for all of the kids. And we have uh, adopted kids, all these. For all the kids, she said, uh, he wrote a letter. And so it took me a few days. And then I uh, finally opened, opened it up. And I'm not going to take the time to read it tonight. But it was basically, hey, I'm really so proud of you. So glad I got to be your dad. And there's lots of kind things, that, just that uh, touching, emotional moment. And, and I'm so thankful for this letter. I'm thankful he didn't wait to tell me that until this letter. And as I was considering and thinking about getting ready to teach you from God's Word, many of you have different backgrounds related to your father, and you have you have uh, different feelings about your life and your experience. And I just wanted to share with you that the Bible is our letter that God has written for you and I. He tells us that He loves us, that He cares for us, that He has a plan, a destiny, a hope, and a future. And so, if no one has ever told you, and you don't believe that God loves you, I want you to know the. Bible is uh, 66 books. It's one uniform letter about God's incredible love for you, that you're his child, you're his son, you're his daughter. He has good things for you. And uh, isn't that awesome? Aren't you thankful for the love of God? Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? And so we're going to jump in today and I want to talk to you about the life of Daniel. Courage over cowardice. Everybody say courage. Everybody say cowardice. So you and I have a decision to make in this time in which we live of how we're gonna live, how we're gonna operate, how we're gonna stand. You and I are living through history. We're living through global change, a global cultural revolution that has upended the world, not simply with COVID, but upon everything that we used to, uh, the world said it used to believe, has, has now been upended and changed. And it's easy to become disoriented To not understand, gender's different, sexuality is different. All these different things are seemingly different, and what was once believed and accepted is no longer accepted. Well, in Proverbs 28, verse 1, it says, the wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous, everybody say righteous. Righteous. Come on, Blairsville, join with us all together. Everybody say righteous. righteous. The righteous are as bold as a lion. In Joshua 1:7, it says, "Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. then you'll be successful in everything that you do. In Ephesians chapter six verse 10, it says, a final word: Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil." Now, here's what it means to have courage. Courage means mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Cowardice is a lack of courage or firmness of purpose. I want to take you to the book of Daniel. and Let me set up this story as we're going to go to the story of Daniel and the lion's den. By a show of hands, even online, you can let us know how many of you are familiar with this story, Daniel and the lion's den. Just wave at me. Uh, For those of you that aren't, let me set it up and I'll talk about it in this way. The book of Daniel uh, identifies the prophet Daniel as its author. Jesus mentions Daniel as the author as well. Now, it was written between 540 and 530 B.C., he was telling the story of what happened when God's people in Judah lost their independence because of their disobedience to God. They were conquered by King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. They were brought into exile. Now Babylon is modern day Iraq, just for uh, just as you're thinking of a map and where this would be. Daniel records the actions, the prophecies, and visions of the end of the world. Now the first six chapters are historical. The last six chapters are prophetic. A third of the Bible is prophecy, meant to inform you, to warn you, and to encourage you. Daniel had the same vision of John the Apostle, and he wrote that was written about in the book of Revelation. Now, uh, this particular book, we're not going to get into uh, the prophetic uh, writings that are very appropriate for today. We're going to look at the life of Daniel that's equally as encouraging and challenging and has great application for you and I. Babylonian culture was a secular culture and it was, a, it was a place of ungodliness. And Daniel and his friends were brought into captivity. Now, as a parent, uh, how many of you are a parent or you'd like to be a parent one day? Just kind of wave at me. Uh, as a parent, I have great desires for my kids. Uh, my, in fact, my, my son uh, Carter a few months ago, he turned 16 years of age. I have five kids ranging from 22 I think I got that right, all the way to 12, and it's, uh, it's really hard to believe. I continue to pray for their future, their education, their walk with the Lord. Uh, my wife and I have invested many hours into their walk with Jesus in the church, in uh, praying with them, encouraging them, trying to model do the best that we can how to live a godly life. Uh, I want God to do great things in and through their lives. And I'm sure that Daniel's parents, had the same ambition. They gave their son a name that meant God is my judge, and they taught him to obey God's law. According to the historian Josephus, Daniel came from the royal descendants. He more than likely had a strong sneaker game, good fashion, social standing, excellent education, and lots of Instagram followers, at least from our culture and how we would articulate it. They could not have predicted that Daniel would be kidnapped from Jerusalem And taken to Babylon. That he would be castrated so that his sole focus would be serving a wicked king and not God. That he would have his name changed to honor a demon and he'd be thrust into the service in the kingdom of the demonic instead of the kingdom of God. In fact, Daniel was born during the reign of King Josiah at a time where there was a revival that was happening in the nation of Judah. And just like we were believing in our nation for a great revival, but all of a sudden Josiah died, the nation rebelled against God, and judgment came. In Isaiah chapter 39, it says, behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, who you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar fulfilled this prophecy when he took Daniel and his friends, these all-stars, as slaves in his kingdom. Now, we don't know about Daniel's family, but as a parent who wants his kids to honor the Lord, I, I would be wondering if I had done enough to prepare him for that moment. Probably 15 or 16 years of age, he's in a different country, he's been renamed, he has the culture pressing on him, and he's being pushed to serve uh, a demon god, and you're wondering, did, did I do enough? When Daniel was Ubered into Babylon, he wouldn't have had any idea what God was going to do. Most of the jobs were outsourced to the Jewish slaves uh, to be blue-collar, and we think about it, you know, tech, tech support, maybe they had to call to give the extended car warranty. How many of you have ever gotten that phone call before? Daniel was probably around the son, or around the age of my son Carter, just a teenager, but he possessed God-given physical, intellectual, and social aptitude that he stood out from the crowd. The, the king only brought the, king, the cream of the crop into his service to these great minds to be used at his disposal. When Daniel arrived in Babylon, he could not change his circumstance. He could not control the fact that he would be taught the occult. Have a hostile work environment. Have a list of haters a mile long. But he could control his character. His character would keep him from conforming to the pattern of the culture that he now found himself in. His character kept him from conforming and from compromising. And if you in this godless culture are going to be the the person that God has called you to be, to stand up, stand out, live it out, and be strong, then you're going to have to make a decision that you're going to lean in and you're going to have the character that you need to fulfill the temptation or to to, uh, push back against the temptation of the enemy in these days. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Only then will you be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So he was obligated to do what the king told him. Another way to say that is, and we're familiar with this in our culture, he was mandated. You're going to do what you're told whether you like it or not. They were to eat from the king's table in Daniel chapter 1, and they had to go through this schooling and ultimately uh, submit to the king, and uh, they had to eat from the king's table. Now, uh, there wasn't, uh, you think about it from the outward, not a big deal. Eating from the king's table meant the difference between eating at McDonald's and Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Come on, somebody. Like, they had the best available to them. So the issue wasn't the flavor of the food. The issue is that it was food that was committed and sacrificed to pagan gods and idolatry. And as a Jewish boy, he said, I'm sorry, I cannot participate in that. Even though he was indoctrinated, emasculated, and his identity was pushed and changed, he made a decision that he was not going against his convictions, he was gonna honor the Lord. Now, uh, ideology is the idolatry of our day. Ideology is simply this, a set of doctrines or beliefs that are shared by the members of a social group that form the basis of political, economic, or another system. In chapter one, Daniel had a decision to make as a young boy in a foreign land. We, we, we would have looked at it and said, man, it's understandable why he didn't make it. It's understandable why his character struggled a little bit. And, you know, he had a little cowardice. I don't know how I would have done at that time as well. But Daniel did not conform and he stood strong in the power of the Lord his God and he chose courage over cowardice. He spoke up, he stood up, and he lived out God's purpose in his generation in that hour and in that moment. And chapter one would be the beginning point of everything that was about to happen in his life until ultimately God would speak to him and reveal the future that you and I are now living in today. Chapter one was incredibly, incredibly uh, powerful. It was telling. Where they would not bow, they would not eat this food committed to other idols. He could not forget his God. As we look at our world and we look at our culture that is changing very fast, we have uncertainty, confusion, trying to figure out what's going on. Alexander Solzhenitsy said this related to the uh, takeover of communism in his land. He said, if I were to ask today to formulate as concisely as possible what was the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people, I could not put it more accurately than to repeat, men have forgotten God. That is why all of this has happened. And I believe that we're seeing that happen in our day and in our time. But there's still people that are full of the Spirit of God, that love God, that even in a Babylonian culture, even in a secular culture that says to shut up, be quiet, do what you're told, you eat what you're told, you act the way we that we want you to, or we're going to cancel you from social media, we're going to shame you publicly, we can have the same Spirit of Daniel and say, no, 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 I'm going to stand up, I'm going to speak up, I'm going to live it out, and I'm going to declare the goodness of God, the mercy Of God, the power of God, and the salvation of God, no matter what the culture around me says. Verse 20 says, In every matter, everybody say, every matter? In every matter, wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned Daniel and these young men, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and chanters in the whole kingdom. He made a decision that he was going to stand. It would alter the trajectory of his life. God would favor him in a godless culture. Now we fast forward to Daniel chapter six. We're midway through this book. We're not, Daniel's no longer uh, 15 or 16 years of age. He's now around 80 years of age. And I wanna tell you this story. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. And he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and to protect the king's interests. Verse 3, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. God wants us to serve well in the midst of the culture that we are in. He wants us to uh, serve and submit in every way that we can uh, for the blessing and the flourishing of the city in which we live, the places in which we work, the colleges in which we attend, uh, the country that we find ourselves in. Even in a, in a seemingly post-Christian culture, uh, we're detent, we're, we will be tempted to make a run for it, circle the wagons, isolate ourselves. But that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to serve, He wants us to serve well. He wants us to love, and he wants us to love well. We are called to do far more than to simply be good workers, though. We're also, we're called to stand up and stand out. But we're certainly not called to do less than, uh, be excellent, and serve those around us. And verse 4 says, "...then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs." But they could not find anything to criticize or condemn. Did you hear that? Let's rewind it for a moment. They wanted to find a way to accuse him. Now think about our lives. Are we living out excellence and honoring the Lord in every way? They could not find anything to criticize or condemn him. He was always faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded... Our only chance of finding ground for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion, what he believes. So the administrators and high officers, they went to the king. Long live King Darius. We're all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked, so King Darius signed the law. King Darius was propagandized. They appealed to his ego, they gave him a false sense of security, and they got to him to temporarily impair his judgment so he would do something that he would not normally do. William Sargent, in his uh, book from 1957 called Battle for the Mind, A Physiology of Conversion and Brainwashing, wrote that people have temporary impaired in judgment and herd instinct seen most clearly in wartime, severe epidemics, and in all similar periods of common danger, which increase anxiety and individual mass suggestibility. Propaganda takes on many different forms, Sometimes it hides the truth, sometimes it uses half-truths, sometimes it distorts the truth by selective use of facts or history, or it'll use one-sided assertions. But almost always it seeks to present its argument by appealing to a higher goal, such as the common good, or this is just for you, the king. It's a matter of rights or justice. It claims the high uh, moral high ground and is sold as a noble cause. Translate this into our current moral climate. Any cause can appear legitimate if it's tied to a noble idea. Even evil, if packaged correctly, like we saw what they were doing with Daniel, can appear to be good, and good can be packaged as evil. Isaiah wrote in chapter 5, verse 20, "'Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter.'" The radical secularists that are strategizing on how to call that which is evil good, but even then their task is not yet finished, they must um, not only call evil good, but they must also call good evil. Only then are they able to sell their agenda that is anti-God, anti-family, anti-children, and all the things that we see that are pervasive in our culture right now today. This is done not by rational argument, by by appealing to human desire. Sell it as equality, justice, civil rights, and love. The propaganda of today becomes the truth of tomorrow. In Eden, the devil sold slavery to Adam and Eve, but called it independence. He sold them wisdom, but it turned out to be mental darkness. He put forth a beautiful vision of who they could become, but his offer was sweetly poisoned. He promised them fulfillment, and he gave them guilt. He appealed to their pride and gave them despair and an empty life. He promised like a God, but paid them like the devil that he was. Sell progressive Christianity as love, and it'll attract a lot of followers in our day. Eric Hoffer says that propaganda does not deceive people. It merely helps them to deceive themselves. People often do not perceive reality as it is, but how they want it to be. By appealing to a false understanding of love that we see culturally, this enables us to call light darkness and darkness light. This detachment from reality under the banner of love enables people to normalize the bizarre and the unnatural. It's one of the oldest schemes of propaganda, Dr. Erwin Lutzer says. The radicals ignore those who disagree with them or what they're saying. They find it easier to simply dismiss them as haters. The radicals themselves may be very hateful, but their hate is justified because they're fighting hate. Anyone who disagrees with them has no valid arguments. They're just bigoted in their psychological condition. And once a cultural stream of propaganda is created, no matter how irrational, the culture will fear to speak against it. And that's exactly where we live today. And they got to a place in this story where the king signed something and he was propagandized. And all of a sudden, what he believed one moment changed. And there's seemingly nothing he can do about it to pull back at that moment. There was fear, silence, and disagreement. Verse 10. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home. He knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done before, giving thanks to God. That phrase is so powerful. Because it's a snapshot in a picture of what you and I need to do and having the right character so that we don't conform to the cultural propaganda of our day through social media, through the movie, through uh, uh, through Amazon bestsellers, through all the things that are pushed. That All of a sudden, boys can gr- be girls, girls can be boys, men can be pregnant and have periods. All this nonsense that is an inversion of reality that if we're not careful, all of a sudden we begin to say, Well, yeah, that's true because everyone is saying it. Daniel made a decision that he was going to do what he had always done. He had made a decision he was going to honor the Lord his God. And as a teenager, he honored God, and he wasn't going to compromise, and he wasn't going to give it, give in to the culture around him. And now as an 80-year-old man, though he had money, though he had prestige, though he was elevated in the kingdom, and he had a great 401k, and he had a lot to lose, he said, I'm not giving up, I'm not giving in, I'm standing up, and I'm standing strong. And he he went back, and he prayed, just like he always always prayed. And he honored God, just like he always honored God. And he refused to bow to the ideology of the day. And I believe with all of my heart that God wants to move upon his people again, and bring the greatest move of God, revival, and awakening that this dark world needs. And it starts in you and me, and says, by saying, we will not bow, we will not conform, we will not give up, and we will not give in, but we'll stand up and stand strong, and we will love well, and we will honor the Lord our God. Daniel drew a line in the sand. Now I could see people saying in today's culture of permissiveness and cowardice, well, Daniel, it's not in the Bible that, uh, that you, know, you have to open the, your windows and pray. It's not in the Bible and in your law that you have to pray three times a day. So if it's not that, it's not a big deal, just compromise a little bit. Just give up a little bit. You know, it's for the king. It's for the greater good of Babylon. And he said, no, 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 I'm sorry, I answer to the one true God, not to the spirit of this age. Now, truth is something that we discover, discover. It's not something that we decide. I love what Howard Hendricks said. He said, a belief is something you'll argue about, but a conviction is something you will die for. And I want to challenge you tonight before a man, before God, to be people that are, uh, live with conviction. The officials went together to Daniel's house. and They found him praying and asking for God's help. Help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about this law. Did you not sign a law that the, for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Well, yes, the king replied, and that decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and the Persians. It cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, Well, that man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, he's ignoring you and your law, and he still prays to his God three times a day they were demeaning him that guy Daniel that foreigner that one that was brought that Jewish person he's not honoring you he he, he's not he's not doing what you want him to do the king realized he was in a he was in a very difficult moment he had already signed the law Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. He tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament, but nothing would come. There's nothing that could change. The Bible goes on to say in his passage of scripture that he, he fasted and he, and he prayed and, and he went to, to, to Daniel and he said, may your God rescue you in this moment and in this hour. For you have not wronged me, and Daniel said, long live the king. Uh, my God uh, will, will take care of me. And so what happened is is they, they put him basically in a pit with hungry lions. Now, it's kind of a, not really a children's story. It's a grotesque story. It's, it's the electric chair. It's hanging. It's, 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 it's capital punishment at its worst. It's hungry lions that were ready for their next meal. And the Bible says that that Daniel, because of his convictions, ultimately would go to the lion's den. And as he went into the lion's den, God did something amazing in that moment. He shut the mouths of the lion because Daniel would not conform because he had the courage God was with him and sustained him in that moment the next day the the king came and he said I want you to remove the stone that is over uh, over that pit and over that cave and he said Daniel are you still there and that's where Daniel cried out and said long live the king God has my God has shut the mouths of the lion it was an amazing moment and God did uh, an incredible thing and continued to promote Daniel. But you and I, we live today. We're not Daniel. We're not facing the same lions that he is, but we're facing lions. So how do you stay courageously committed to your convictions? How do you make a decision that you're going to end well and you're going to live well? That you're not going to give up, uh, but you're going to grow up and you're going to fulfill the destiny and the plan that God has for your one and only life. You're going to have to make a decision that you are not going to give up. Recently, my wife and I were in sunny southwest Florida. Beautiful. It was 73 degrees. It was a trip that we had to postpone. We were supposed to go in December because uh, we were gonna, I was going to take my wife and my daughter and uh, my son-in-law to Disney for my wife's birthday and my daughter's birthday, and I really just wanted to get on the beach. I'd been trying for months to get to Florida because of my schedule and, and different things that kept coming up. I wasn't able to get there. I just wanted to get to the beach just for a few hours to relax, turn my mind off, and then come back home. And, uh, but my, my dad passed, and so we had to change it, and we moved it to January, well, we finally made it down there. We went to Disney, had a good time, and we were driving to the beach, and I really wanted to go to one particular beach. It's near Naples. Anybody ever been to Naples, Florida before? Just kind of wave at me. If not, you really need to go. I would recommend this Monday, just fly out, just miss all the cold weather. And so we went to a place called Milk Beach. It's a great place, but there's not a lot of parking. We we showed up and we were driving around. We were late. The sun was was high in the sky, but at this point it was about two o'clock. I knew it was going to be going down soon, and I was getting frustrated. We couldn't find a spot. I just wanted to get to the beach. I just wanted to have that moment of relaxation, and I I I couldn't. I said, "Okay, honey, uh, let's just go to the next beach. Pick some, pick another one." So she picked another one, that was a state park, and it was it it was a beautiful. The name escapes me, uh, at Clams Pass State Park. And so we found a parking spot right away. We went on the boardwalk to walk to the beach. I was so excited because I just wanted to get just two hours. The sun was starting to go down a little bit and I was starting to get frustrated. I said, man, we got to hurry up. So we walked and we walked and we walked. And I'm like, where are we going? And we walked further. And I was starting to get frustrated at that moment. I'm like, we're still walking? And I looked at my wife, because she had been there before, and we had one of those married moments where, like, it's not her fault, but she's the closest person to me, so I really want to blame her. Come on, somebody. And I'm I'm like, hey, like, how far is this boardwalk? Like you know, kind of inferring like you were here before, and we're gonna miss the beach because you brought us here. And she kind of looked at me like she's had to over almost twenty five years of marriage. Like just shut up right now. You have no idea what you're talking about. And I did. And I was I was tempted to be frustrated. Finally, it wasn't a quarter of a mile. It wasn't a half a mile. It was almost one mile. Just under one mile of boardwalk. Finally, getting to the beach. And we we went out there. We sat down uh, on on the on uh, what the uh, towels that we had brought. Along, and we just enjoy uh, the waves and the ocean and the 73 degrees, which sounds really amazing right now, doesn't it? As we we're on the boardwalk, here's what I didn't do I didn't say, You know what? This boardwalk is too long. I'm not going to this beach. It's a matter of principle. I quit. Let's go back to the car. We're going to go back. We're going to drive back. We're going to fly home. Forget about the beach. Let's go back home to the cold. And it's just too much. It's just too hard. We're just going to give up right now. Now, if I did that, you would think that guy is an idiot. Come on, somebody. You would think that. You're like, what is his deal? I mean, you're right there at the beach. You have waited months for this moment, so you had a little difficulty. So it didn't work out the way that you wanted to. It was frustrated. You had to change direction, but now you're there. Why would you quit when you're already, you're almost there to the place where you've been desiring, where you have a vision for, where you've been asking God for? And that's where Daniel was. Daniel, he's an older man. He had lived for God. He had honored Him, and now he's at the end of his life, and He's facing lions and he's facing persecution, and the propaganda is coming against him. And he said, You know what? I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to honor God and I'm going to stay committed to my convictions. And here's what I want to encourage you as we bring all this together to be committed to in your life. This is what it said about Daniel it said he was faithful, he was always responsible. Completely trustworthy. He was consistent, and now catch this: and he lived publicly what he believed privately. The challenge in our day is to to uh, believe privately instead of live it publicly. And Daniel said, no, I may be in Babylon, but Babylon doesn't have to be in me. I'm going to live out the grace of God, the mercy of God, and the truth of God, because I believe that this is what Babylon needs, and it can set them free. So in times of crisis, he didn't give up. He made a decision as a young person, so young people hear me. You don't have to bow to the TikTok theology of your day that's telling you it doesn't matter anymore, gender's whatever you want it to be, do whatever you want to do, whatever makes you happy. No, no, no. When you live holy, that will make you happy. When you fulfill God's plan for your life, that will promote you and will bless you. Those of you that are older, that are scared because you got a little bit uh, to lose and all those things, you're facing some lions. being encouraged by Daniel. You just make a decision that I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be responsible, trustworthy, and consistent. And I'm going to live publicly what I believe privately. I'm not self-censoring. I'm not backing down. I'm not acquiescing and I'm not apologizing for the truth that still sets people free. I'm going to stand and declare that Jesus changed my life and he can change yours and all men can come to repentance and experience the grace and the mercy and the love of God. Your private character is what will lead to public courage. So how's your character today? We can learn a lot from Daniel in that moment. You know, the, the metaphor of lions is, you know, essentially their destructive power. We know the Bible says that, the, that Satan is like a roaring lion that goes around trying to devour us. The den became a place of deliverance for Daniel. Just like the tomb became a place of deliverance for Jesus. Seemingly, he was going to die there. But God delivered Daniel. Jesus came 2,000 years ago for God so loved the world he sent his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus came and he really lived and he really died. And he went to a tomb that should have devoured him, the enemy all around him, but the lions could not touch him because he was the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he came up out of that grave and, and, and he, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And for you and I, we can have forgiveness, grace, mercy. We can have purpose and meaning. And, and whatever we're going through can be a place of deliverance if we invite Jesus into that place, into our lives in this moment. So I just want to ask real quick, like Daniel, are you facing an impossible situation? Are you facing a difficulty where it's challenging your character? You know the right thing to do, but you're so tempted to say, you know what? I don't have to pray that much. I don't have to live all this publicly. You know, it's understandable, these decisions that I'm making. I've been going through a difficult time. I've had a lot of loss. There's a pandemic that happened. I know I'm compromising, but but the Lord understands, and it's not a big deal. Can I challenge you today? It is a big deal. You and I need to ask ourselves the question, will we change the world, or will the world change us? And if you're going to have the courage to live out God's plan and purpose for your life, then you need to have the private character and devotion that says, God, I'm gonna honor you when other people don't. I'm gonna live for you no matter what other people say. I'm I'm gonna be holy in a culture that scoffs at the very idea of submitting ourselves to God. I'm gonna live for truth when other people say what is true. I'm gonna honor God no matter what. And if you'll make that decision right now today, to say, you know what, I've been been challenged a little bit. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you are, but you've been just confused and you've been kind of private with your faith. You haven't been living public what the world around you needs to hear. In just a few moments, I wanna pray for you. If you've never made a decision for Jesus, I wanna invite you right now in this moment to pray a prayer with me in just a moment where you can call on the name of the Lord Jesus. And he will save you, he will rescue you, he will make all things new. And then I want to pray for those of you that are followers of Jesus. Because in this day, in this hour, as you live through history and a global cultural revolution, you're going to be tempted to be a coward. Under the guise of, well, it's not really a big deal. I could just close the windows. I don't really need to speak up. I just need to go along to get along. Well, if you go along to get along, it won't be very long until you won't be able to get along. You're either going to stand now or you'll sit later. And right now is the time to say, you know what? I'm going to honor the Lord my God. I'm going to declare his goodness. I want to share his love with others. And though the world may say whatever they want to say against me, I'm going to stand because it is the truth of Jesus that still sets people free would you stand with me as we close would you bow your heads with me in this moment as we pray Blairsville online in the house if you're here at the sound of my voice and say Sam I'm not right with God if I were to leave this earth tonight I don't know if I would be in heaven I haven't been living right. I haven't been acting right. Maybe you really don't know. You just recognize that you have need for God. I want you to know that God has always loved you. God loves you so much. He's revealed himself in his love letter to us, his word. He sent Jesus, his one and only son, to pray the, pay the price for the sin of humanity. All the bad things, all the sin that you and I have ever done, Jesus paid for. When you recognize that you're a sinner in the need of a savior, you can be forgiven and set free I want to ask all of us together to pray this prayer and if, and if you've never prayed this prayer before and you would like to make Jesus the Lord of your life as you pray this prayer in faith God will hear you He'll forgive you and He'll change everything regarding your future He'll take away your sin He'll make you a new creation come on are you ready? everybody say Jesus today I choose to follow you forgive me of my past forgive me of my sin wash me and make me new I believe that you died on a cross that you rose to new life and you're coming back again for me and until that day I will live for you right now by faith I'm a child of God forgiven and free in Jesus name. If you just prayed that prayer in faith, maybe for the first time you just got born again by faith. Your past is forgiven. Your future is secure. And the Bible says all of heaven is celebrating right now. So come on, can we celebrate with those that made that decision, whether it's online or in the house? God loves you so much. In a few moments, they'll tell you about next steps and, and what you can do. But I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you to have courage. I want to pray for you to stand when those around you will not stand. I want to challenge you to be loving and bold and to live out your faith in this day and in this hour, not to shrink back because your your fear of being canceled. The world is trying to change the word, but we're not changing the word. We're standing on the word. And the word of God still sets people free from their sin, from their past, from their addiction, whatever it may be. You may go into the lion's den, but you're not going alone. You're going with the lion from the tribe of Judah. His name is Jesus. And if he's with you, it doesn't matter if every demon in hell is against you. He'll sustain you and give you the strength that you need. So I want to challenge you to have great private character, to honor the Lord, be excellent, be responsible, love people. But I also want to challenge you to live publicly what you believe privately, because God wants us to be witnesses all over the world to the grace and mercy of Jesus. Would you lift your hands to heaven? I want to pray a blessing over you. Father, I thank you for these beautiful people. What a privilege it is to share with each of them. And Lord, in this day, in this hour in which we live, like Daniel, we find ourselves in a secular culture, the Babylonian Antichrist spirit. And the tendency is to cower, to have fear to be confused. But God, you want us to live with clarity and with purpose. So we just determine right now that we're not giving up and we're not giving in. And Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you'd fill us with power and strength that we would live loud and proud and we would be bold, Lord God, about the goodness of God that still sets people free. I thank you that you would use us on assignment to make a difference in our school, and our workplace, and our homes, and everywhere that we go this week. We're gonna be bold, we're gonna have courage, and we're gonna live out the plans and the purposes of God in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said? Come on, let's give God praise and thank Him for His goodness. Amen. Vielen Dank.